0: Welcome to the Built from the Ground Up podcast, where we learn together how to build a chimney service business. We'll learn what not to do, what we should be doing, how much we're going to fail, but ultimately, how to succeed. I'm your host, Justin Neary. Thanks for joining me. We're here with Kyle Kozlansky. Yet again, we had him on Last time we had some good discussions about uh some technology and some different things, Kyle's backstory. So we're back again. So how are you doing today, Kyle? How's that how's was life? Good. 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 It's good to feel good. I don't I don't feel as <laughs> great as I once did, but I feel better than I <laughs> You're <laughs> as good once as ever we were. <laughs> yeah. So uh What is the book that you're, you're bringing to the discussion today? Um, well, I'm into
1: a couple right now. I don't know if this one that I was saying in particular is applicable, but I have been into a book called good to great. Uh, and basically they did a really like data heavy study of big businesses over a period of 30, 40 years. And they found out what were the differentiating factors that made the difference in those businesses that outperformed the stock market. I think it was by at least four or five X um, and they broke it down really empirically. So that's what I've been digging into lately.
0: Cool. That sounds interesting. It's good to know the little secrets of why certain, co- like, cause we wonder why in the world did that company get so successful? How did they do it? Was it, was it just one man was a chance? Was at the right time? What were what were the formulas? You know, it's, we we all think they must have all the answers, but what I've seen is that the successful companies, the, even the small ones the, in the chimney sweep world, if they appear like they made all the right decisions and everything went smoothly. But when you get to talking to them, they probably made a million mistakes, and that's why they have the answers now because they know what they did wrong and they remember, and now they do the opposite of that. And that's why they succeed. And then every day they're still learning. I watched, uh, sure. see Mark Stoner and Jasper Drangler were on last night, I believe on uh surefire live. So there's their, there's a plug, send the checks, um, make them out to cash. <laughs> um, but there was, you know, two, relatively successful guys, but they talked about how much struggling there was along the way and sacrifice. And so, you know, I was thinking about that and it's like, what level of sacrifice am I willing to make? And I'll be straight, not much Mm. because, you know, you have to, there's certain things I'm willing to sacrifice and there's other things I'm not. And I think Kyle probably you, you feel the same. I think there's sure. you know, a lot of people look back and they say, Well, I wish I would have. And usually it's it's revolving around family. I wish I would have paid more attention. Well, now I have the time, but it's too late, you know. So that's one thing that should never be sacrificed, and it and it's easy to do, I think, when we're in the moment. You know, I look back to last 20 years and how much time that mm-hmm. I've spent doing pointless things thinking that it was super important and now that time is gone so like at this point i'm all about optimizing my time because i don't have much left even though there's plenty but like it it just goes by so quick and if you waste it focusing on things that are really not that important in the grand scheme of things you look back and it's like what in the world so that's why i'm reading books (laughs) because (laughs) I never I never read a lot of books. My wife made fun of me because I didn't read much. She was always reading and you know, classics and whatnot. And she's the smart one. But now I'm trying to read books so that I can learn from other people's mistakes. I don't because I don't feel like I have the time to make that many mistakes. And that's why I've talked to Kyle, because he's a guru. <laughs> Kyle is actually a guru. I won't tell you all the guru uh, supporting data you'll find that out at some point maybe through talking don't give
1: away the guru goo
0: <laughs> but uh, we all need help and so that's one other thing that I'm learning and it's like you can't you can't do this stuff on your own okay it's just a chimney sweep business it's just a chimney sweep business well there's a lot to it it's really hard <laughs> and, so, and that you'll you'll see that from when you listen to like guys like Mark Stoner and Jasper, it's hard. And Mm. one of the things I found, Kyle, maybe you have some comments on this, like it's easy to get started with a, with a business. It's easy to get things rolling. There's that momentum at the beginning, right? It's everything's coming together. You're getting all this stuff done. Then there's that period of where nothing is happening And I think there's a point in there, the pit of despair, it's been called. I'm not sure what point that is, but I think that's where I'm at right now uh, with my business, kind of. Kyle, do you have any thoughts on that? Have you seen any of that kind of thing take place in life yet?
1: Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And it basically just says that in the beginning, you think you know everything. You're blissfully unaware of, of how difficult an undertaking might be or how much you don't know and so you have a high degree of confidence but there's a steep drop off when you realize just how far you actually are from mastery and i think that is where that pit of despair is
0: oh it's horrible <laughs>
1: yeah but i mean that is that is the start of of real growth you know to be able to see that and then grow from that point the ones that persist and stick with it and aren't, Mm -hmm. you know, disheartened or decide to switch lanes because it's gotten hard. Those are the ones that stick out. And that what you said before kind of really, really resonated with me because I feel like it's really important to pick a lane, you know, obviously you want to do something that you're passionate about, but I think you and I both love to learn, which is a really great quality, but could also be detrimental to being able to have a successful business or career because if we're constantly switching interests we mm-hmm. never gain mastery in any of them and it feels like the ones that have success not unanimously but a great degree are the ones that have just been around long enough they've weathered enough storms they've learned enough of these lessons that they've come out on the other side and and if they just kept their head above water for long enough you start to see success
0: yeah that's exactly it it's um you know there's something i was what you just said is in a chapter so i'm I'm right now i'm reading um I don't like to say it the way they say it entree leadership i I don't like saying that like an entree it's it's entrepreneur yeah. entrepreneur <laughs> leadership like that's where they came <laughs> up with it but it's they say entree like bring my I, entree out. I think that's
1: just Dave Ramsey's southernness. Yeah, I don't,
0: I don't. So I say entre leadership. That's how I say it. Entre leadership. I, now, what you just said, there was the chapter I'm mainly going to talk about isn't this one, but I think there was. Um, OK, here's what he's got. Let's see. I, and I didn't I don't think I underlined. Enough of this. But what you just said, a bunch of that was in this chapter. But there's the uh, thing that he calls the momentum theorem. Um, let's see. And it's fi over t times g equals m. Easy and it's, <laughs> it's So it's focused intensity over time multiplied by God equals unstoppable momentum. So that thing you were saying focused intensity over time, it's all about time. And that struck a nerve with me because I've been in a huge rush to get this thing moving. Cause I, I feel like I've, you know, I was, I was forced to do this. I didn't really come into, I didn't want to have a business right now. I, I, there was a, it was working better, but things changed and I had to have a business and, hard for me to stay focused over time hmm. at this point where i am today is where i switch gears normally and it's like all right i got it to work i made money at it now let me do something different and, and i lose that intensity mm-hmm. and right and i can see that that happened um with my focus recently last couple months i i started going <laughs> on a <laughs> oh well <laughs> We'll edit that out, I think, or not. It's funnier not editing out. Um so I went down this path of like, all right, I gotta get everything organized. I got off the road most of the time. Let me get all these systems put in place, let me do this, let me do that, let me build this, let me build that. And then I just got in this rabbit hole of just keeping my head on the screen, building things, and then I'm not paying attention to what's going on around me, and I'm letting I'm letting um sales dwindle. I'm not focusing and I'm not keeping an eye on it. My meetings with everybody regularly. It's, and so I, I'm not in a good place and I, I, I'm reading this and I'm, I'm realizing that Justin's being a bad boy. So (laughs) this chapter is really cool, but it it goes along with what you're saying. You've got to have that focus. Mm. If you lose it, you lose out. And, And those people that, those are the people that win. The ones that stay focused. It, yes, that's the that's the key. There's no, there's no like special sauce, other than that. Mm-hmm. Keep doing it, and then of course yeah. you know innovating and things like that. And there's all kinds of things you can get into, but the I think that's the, it's F I over T times G equals M. And so when he's talking about when you get that momentum, now things start to happen. So like uh, in his company, people wanted, Oprah wanted him on the show, you know, and for years they couldn't get on Oprah. Like they teased him and it never worked out. But then all of a sudden one day everything started clicking. They get on this show, they get on that show and everyone thinks like it just happened. But it wasn't about that one moment. It was all the time that led up to that. So then they got the momentum once they they had that intensity that was focused for that amount of time, then things happen. But everyone looks at it like, oh, that's our big break. No, it wasn't a big break. It was hard work along. hmm Yeah. What do they they sometimes say an overnight success?
1: You know, an overnight success, 10, 20 years in the making or something to that effect. Right.
0: Yeah. You're you there's a bunch of things that you're saying. See, you are a guru and you didn't read this book, <laughs> and a lot of the stuff you're saying he you brought out. So I think
1: one of the things you said was um, really important and it's, it's falling out of my head right now. You were talking about focus. Oh, and, oh yes. and that point, like, I've, I've heard it compared to like a rocket launch, right? So the amount of energy and fuel that's consumed during those first, whatever it is, several miles is, is, far far greater than the the entire rest of the voyage Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people reach that point where they just got that point where they're breaking through the atmosphere and now it's just your thrusters just making light adjustments but if you change lanes then and try to switch verticals or let's add these services in or let's focus more on um you know we've been a service company up to this point now let's transition and switch over to a suite or you know we've seen an example personally We've got the successful chimney company now let's open up a stove shop and all of a sudden all that work and focus that went into getting into that breaking through that atmosphere is lost because now we're going back to another launch yep. and so i think that's really important that to know when you're at that point of of critical mass where you really just have to push through and stick with it because that's when you're going to start to yield those results
0: yeah, that's good. That's a good uh, way to look at it. It's, And that's what I'm kind of going through. Like, I feel tired. Mm. I, <laughs> and it's, you know, for two and a half years. Okay, that's very short. That's a very short span of time. But I put so much energy mentally. And it's like, all right, we got through the atmosphere. And it's like, all right, great. Okay, things are working. But there's so much more to do. We have to get around the moon. We got to orbit around the moon now. And it's like, you're going to take a while. And that that waiting to get to the destination is hard. And there is no destination with this. There is no destination in business. You're never there. You're always messing with things and changing things. If you get there, you lose. Because everybody just shoots past you. So that's, you know, you just have to. For me it's like I just have to stick with it and get over it. Quit being a baby. <laughs> you don't have to stay here with us. We're not babies. That's what's that's a quote from a movie. What is that from?
1: I can't. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like Hot Rod or something.
0: <laughs> it's close. It's Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. I know now. <laughs>
0: um
1: Yeah. And and I feel like I I've I've spoken with a few business owners recently that are right at that three year mark. And I do feel like that is, you know, of course it varies by, you know, what business you're in, but I do feel like that's an important point. You know, year one is like, just, Oh dear Lord, we need to survive. Mm-hmm. Year two, you're starting to be like, okay, like, like now we're surviving. Now we can start to build. And by the end of that third year, I think you start to get a clear vision of, of what you're going to do. But again, that is not the time to start over. You've already, if you were going to do that, it should have been, you know, mm-hmm. I think Justin, I think you're in it. I think you're going to be making this podcast for a long time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. And I can't complain. Here's why I can't complain. Um, Because it's working, you know, it, I'm starting to see some little difficulties here because of, of the time of year it is. And maybe, slack not slacking like but slacking off with certain tasks that I should have been doing to stay ahead of things and now it's like oh well that just caught up with me so now I have to you know we have enough appointments we're moving we're we're going but we don't have the jobs right now they're pretty much finished up the jobs that bring in the real money and the supply of appointments that have the job opportunities with our current skill set I guess as far as getting jobs are are not as many as they were in, in October. Let's face it, in, October, in September, October, November, and part of December, chimney sweeps are, are everything's wonderful. Oh, look at all this, you're not worried about anything. You have plenty of jobs and appointments, so there's no cares, got money rolling in. Oh, go! you need that tool, go buy it, just ignore the budget. And then all of a sudden Christmas time comes and it's gone. It's off. Nobody wants to do anything. And then it starts to pick up just a little. So there's that that same pattern. And I know about it. I've seen it many, many years. And I kind of just slacked off because I got comfortable. And um, I wasn't planning for this time of year. Everything's fine and we have plenty to do. But I want us to have more to do because we need to do – we need to build – And in order to build, you need some greenbacks, and I'm anti-debt because Mister Ramsey has pounded that (laughs) into my head, and I I lived my life up until two years ago. Just oh, just who cares? Debt is a part of life. No, it's garbage. That's it's so annoying. But anyway, (laughs) so now my goal is to to just pay for things like like and like. What an idea, just pay for things.
1: What a novel idea, pay for things that you can afford. Um, I think it's an interesting thing that we have specifically in our industry with the whole busy season and slow season. Um, I was talking to a guy who's in HVAC recently, and of course, like summer is crazy for them, but I feel like a lot of, especially smaller businesses kind of really take their foot off the gas and, Mm -hmm. and coast. And then all of a sudden. March, we're okay, April, May, things start to get looking really rough. And you're, you're really, you know, counting your pennies, um, until August, especially if you're used to spending on a busy season budget. So one of the things that I've, I've been exploring is how can we make that shift? You know, how can we, and I really haven't fleshed it out yet, but this is something I think you and I should look at how can we encourage customers and incentivize them to work on these repairs earlier in the year so that we can line up that schedule rather than having to turn down work or put it six to eight weeks out during the busy season. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden January 1st hits and we're dry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's been the, that's been the, the mystery for many years. I I don't really think it's that hard. I think it requires just a shift in your, in, in your, the mindset of a slow season, there should not be a slow season. There isn't. I mean, that that's not a, a novel idea either. So many people have been talking about that for years. There's just a slower season, but not be slower. You just have to do things differently. It's, it's this time of year, uh, use this technique. The rest of the year, use that technique. But there should never be sl- that slow of a time. I let it get to that because I don't know you know, it just happens. I don't have any Mm -hmm. excuses and everything that's wrong. And there's a lot right with, with our business right now. And I, when I look at it compared to other things in businesses, I know it's fantastic. It really is. It's allowing me to not be an overlord on every single thing that's happening out there. Now, do they need help? Do they need to learn some things, yes, and I'm, I'm trying to teach things, make uh, classes, but I don't have to be hovering over every single job and appointment. Um, there's a process, and I know if they don't know how to do something, they'll ask. And I can go away for an undisclosed amount of time, like I'm going soon at an undisclosed <laughs> point in time, and not really worry about it. I'm going to still be overseeing things and I'm going to be present uh, digitally, I guess. But the way it's set up, I don't have to worry. And I was just talking to someone today. They said, you're going for that long and you're not worried. And I said, no, they know what to do. They know how to conduct themselves. They know what I expect. They, they, they believe it. They buy into it. So they're going to do it. They want to make daddy happy. (laughs) That's the joke. They some of them call me daddy. Some one or two one uh Tyler won't call me daddy. Neither will Daisy. But I'm old enough to be their dad. <laughs> so it's not that weird. Well, I'm not old enough to be their dad, I guess. But that it started somehow and and it and it stuck with a couple of them. And you know what? I think it's a good culture because mm. you know, daddy takes care of them. And I'll <laughs> say, you know, here, I got you this tool. Cause I know you need it. It's going to make your job easier. See how daddy takes care of you. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, they want to make daddy happy. Who doesn't want to make their dad? happy? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's great. Um, and that's the culture I'm trying to create. There's other, you know, there's plenty of things we can work on. I can work on. Everything's my fault. That's wrong. Um, but I think we're on a good path now. Enough about me. Thinking I'm I'm something when I'm nothing. Chapter four of this book, uh, entre leadership or entre leadership, spineless leader is an oxymoron. Now th- this was this chapter talks about making decisions. So I'm a spineless leader. That's what I learned um, from chapter four. And I there's so much in here, and it was like, yep, that's me. I'm the worst. Um. Let's just, let me, I have some underlined things. Let me see if there's some things here that. uh... So here's a quote by George S. Patton. A good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan next week. I'm, I'm always the next week guy. Let me do it next week. Let me get it. Just get it just right. Let me get it worked out. We got to get that planned. Just jump in and do it. You know, it's. I ruin myself by not do, I just, I worry too much and I'm getting better, but any comments on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, execution is everything. It really is everything. And you wouldn't, um, the more and more business owners that I'm around and I get to talk to and see their successes. It, it is very much the ones who can execute. Uh, and it's good to have the more calculated people on your team. It's good to have the people that are going to, you know, be your system of checks and balances, but at the helm, you really do want someone who's able to make quick decisions and who's able to execute. And because I I did actually read in this book that I was talking about, um, it's basically about, you know, uh, you could say starting a business or starting a course. Uh, it's, it's basically like, get it out there it's going to be crap you have to understand it's going <laughs> yeah. to be crap but the only way you're going to get from crap to something that's actually beneficial and it adds value is if you do it you'll never did you
0: read are you sure you didn't read this book i never did it's because that's what it taught i mean he must have stole it then from some other book yeah he talks about that
1: yeah, and so this in this particular case, um, the guy was running a podcast. He did he recorded his podcast every day for the entire year, and looking back, he had some other people say, "Yeah, the first forty five episodes or so were pretty garbage, but around forty six, you caught your stride, and by episode one hundred, it was actually delivering some value, and now you know it's it's one of the top rated podcasts." And so the point is, do it. <clears throat> it's not going to be perfect, but Whatever that is, whether it's an owner implementing a new comp structure or trying out a new service. I mean, you know, there's caution that needs to be had there, but you can always you can always take it back. You can always beta something, but it yeah. has to be done. That's I think there's a scripture about
0: that. <laughs> you're um you're you read this book. I'm telling you. <laughs> You read it there. There's a, there's uh the chapter I just, other chapter I just read, I get them all confused in there. I'll turn into one chapter, but it's, it's under the product life cycle. There's an introduction stage, a growth stage, a maturity stage, a declining stage. Hmm. And you repeat that process over again. And, uh, at some point you have to launch the product though. And so he, he he it talks about you know you got to get it somewhat ready, but you have to do something because the first like you said the first couple or the first bit of it is going to be garbage. Mm-hmm. Just know that it's trash. You're gonna it's gonna you're you're gonna throw that version away of whatever you're doing, and you're gonna you're go you'll be up to version ten before you know it.
1: Mm-hmm. The nice yeah. thing is, in in many cases, that's. You know, you don't have like in, in the in the case of a podcast, for example, you're not going to have a lot of listeners listeners in the beginning anyway. That's how right. you're
0: going to build that following and that reputation. So just do a terrible job and just do it, though. Yeah. Yeah. The point is to do it. My podcast is pretty lame. <laughs> there's a couple pretty lame episodes um, and there's only a few. Like I, I was trying to do it every other week and then I. Just had a huge span of not doing it, but I figured it's some of them are going to be garbage because I am not an expert on this stuff. And this is just like, I'm just documenting this journey and it's, it's helping me. So, all right, I get the thoughts in my head. Now verbalizing them is another way to, to build those thoughts and, and, and let them sink in and process them now. And then talking with someone else is the next step. And so it's, it's a process and that's why I really started this so I could figure out what in the world I'm doing and forcing myself to think about the things that I'm doing wrong and the things that I'm doing right and trying to share them. Hmm. So hopefully this will be episode, I don't know, 12. Hopefully, I think this one's going to be a good one because yes. I, I have the guru. The guru. That's... The, <laughs> the love guru. That was a movie. I turned that movie off. It was stupid. <laughs> Is there, are there any Mike Myers movies that aren't stupid? Well, um, they're stupid, but they're amazing. Austin <laughs> I, Powers? I could a kick out of all of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wayne's World. And I'm sorry. I apologize. Oh, they're hilarious to me. They get funnier every <laughs> time I watch them. Hot Rod is still one of my all-time favorites. Yes. Okay. It's insanely ridiculous, but amazing.
1: All right, back to,
0: back, back, to the, back to me being a spineless leader. Here's the, the second paragraph. It says, when you make the choice to call yourself a leader, or even better yet, aspire to be an entre leader or entree leader, you have to declare that passivity is no longer an option. Leadership is not for the weak and the timid. It requires tremendous backbone, tremendous strength. The larger your dream, the larger the organization, the more complicated and emotionally draining your decisions. Big-time leadership is simply not for wimps. So I'm kind of a wimp. When it comes to confrontation, I don't want it. I don't want to deal with it. So I let things go, I think, far too long. Um, You just have to be straight with people. I typically do not do a good job with that. I don't want to upset anyone, and that's that's lame. <laughs> There's no excuse yeah. for it. I'm, I'm so a book called. I'm sorry. No, I the, just there was one more thought on that. It says the the marketplace. A couple paragraphs later, the marketplace is begging for an adapted version of your service or product, but you are stuck in the old method because you can't make a decision. If this is you, then be assured a competitor is about to enter your life just like the girl will find someone who will pop the question so he talks about you know a guy who won't ever ask his girlfriend to marry him she's going to leave him eventually and just like the guy who lost his girlfriend to indecision you will lose your customer to indecision the competitor entering the scene in either case is not the problem it is the symptom the problem is your lack of action had you taken action the competitor would have never had a foothold you would you would have Kept your customer and your young man, and our young man would have won the hand of his fair maiden. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's it's not like in, incredibly profound here. Like this, <laughs> it's kind of obvious stuff. But when you're forced to read it and think about yourself in this situation, it, it, it's it's interesting. I I just don't. I need to just do stuff. I mean, you have to think about the decision and, and weigh it out. And he talks about how giving yourself lots of options and ta- and looking at your worst case scenario is a good way to, to limit your risk and all that. But, um, and then letting your guiding values make the decisions clear. So if you're, if you figure out your values and what's important and the level of integrity that you'd like to have, that's how you make a decision. Does it fall in line with that? You know, in the case mm. of chimneys, well, ma'am, we can put a liner in for you, um, and then that's how you leave it. Or you could say to yourself, well, I, I can't put a liner in this as it is because it needs a 9-inch liner because there's two appliances connected, and it's 350,000 BTUs, and the numbers don't work if I downsize to make it fit, and I can't make it fit even if I rectangleize because it it's really old boiler. So what do you do? You explain the facts to the person if that's how it works, in your mind and you tell them there's nothing you can do for them right now until they buy a new boiler. And they say, okay, well, I wanted to get a new boiler anyway. This one's 60 years old. Or you get that quick money. I can be back today and drop a six inch and then no one will care. And it'll probably work because it's so old. That's my little rant. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I just came across. And it's like, do I, do I go for the money and, and lose all the value or throw those away? And my, what I've decided is my, guiding principle, NFPA 54. It's I got to pay attention to it. I can't ignore one thing or or be hard on all this other stuff and ignore the other. It's one or the other. Yes or no, black or white, one or zero. And I figure eventually just doing that will help me make good decisions. Just make the same type of decision every time based on values. And you come out either ahead or not, but at least your head can hit the pillow and if you take your sleeping pills, you can go to sleep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, don't know. I think that's crucial because when you start to violate those principles or violate the values that you set out for yourself, you lose confidence in yourself. And that's, again, that's going to undermine your ability to make decisions as a leader. Mm-hmm. People can, people can smell it. They can tell there's no. There's really no room for being duplicitous or putting on a fake. You know, you can you can fake it for a little while, but um, a true leader, an effective leader, really does have to come from a place of of integrity and of um, authenticity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really have to bring themselves. I think your people should know what decision you're going to make before you give it to them. Like if it's if it's one of those things like. Which way are we going to go? Well, they shouldn't even wonder. They should just know. Hmm. You should be able to train them or teach them the direction that you're going and, and your values and the company's values. And they should be able to make decisions or are, at least guess what you're going to say and be pretty accurate. You know, when it's when it's not, which color paper do you want, red or, or yellow or pink? But the real using serious some, things. Using some ugly paper up there at SIP Soldiers. I I got I got this uh, carbon paper. It's right behind me. The yellow and the white sheets. Oh, when oh I first, those ones. Scott when I first started out, I was using paper because that's what I was used to, and everyone was telling me, "Why are you doing that?" You know the checklist. Remember the checklists? Mm-hmm. Um, you put a little check mark near the flu. Yep. And then you and then you put unsatisfactory. Like, what does that even mean? Oh. <laughs> uh, but that's yeah, that's that's a different side point. That's funny how How many tangents would you like me to go on about chimneys? Keep, keep it going. Keep it going. But anyway, <laughs> that's the book I'm reading and that's all I'm going to bring out from it today. It, it's it's all about being a good leader and I'm I'm not a great one at all. I'm it's it's really hard to be a good leader. It's it's like I thought going into this, yeah, I could be a good leader and just tell everyone what to do and it's going to be the right thing to do and they're going to do it because they want to no they don't want nobody wants to do anything because this is your this is your dream this is your thing like to get people to care about your dream is incredibly hard Mm. and i i see it starting to take place but at the same time why should they like why would i really expect them to fully just be all over it because it's it's not theirs so that's the mystery that I'm I'm trying to on uh, you know solve how do you do that and that's hopefully I can learn that through through reading and talking to people I, I see other people have done it and I've seen other people fail miserably at it it's like go out there and make me money mm. why why should I go make you money like they'll do it because they get paid but you got to get people to to, to believe it along with you.
1: And I think that's one of the most powerful lessons I've learned in hiring people is you really can't, you know, there's a Jim Rohn quote. I can't think of, but it's something about, you don't hire ducks and train them to be Eagles. You hire Eagles and something about, you know, enable them to soar or something to that. effect. Right. And, um, of course there's the whole higher, slow, fire, fast, um, Maxim that is pretty common in business too, but it, it's, it's very true. Like you can't force there, there is a level where you can help someone, you can get them bought into culture, but I've found at least in my experience, those people, there's still a ceiling that they're kind of stuck at. And you can help lead and develop them, but if they don't fundamentally have that drive or they don't fundamentally have whatever it is that you're looking for, that buy-in, at least in my experience, they're never really gonna get there. And so if that's what's required and that's the kind of organization you're trying to build, you need to have an honest conversation and and let them know, you know, this is what we're trying to do and it just doesn't seem like a good fit here. Because the people that do, that are a good fit, All those management problems are solved. When you find the right people, they don't need magical, amazing commission plans and all these wonderful company events and culture and perks and things like that. You're going to want to give it to them. But a person that's innately driven, which is a hard find, but if you find them, management becomes
0: a breeze. hmm Yeah. All the Taco Tuesdays in the world don't right. make much <laughs> They don't make much difference. I don't, you know, how do you make some, not make, how do you, how do you convince someone to, to care? Like you, they'll never care as much as the owner, I guess. I don't think, I don't think it's possible. Maybe it is. I just don't see it. Like, and especially with chimneys, how like, how do you get people to care about chimneys? I don't, I don't even care about them. Like I don't, <laughs> I mean, I care about doing a good job. Once somebody says here, fix my chimney. That's like, that's what what my drive is. But I don't sit around thinking about Oh, I wonder, I wonder if we built a chimney this way, how cool that would look. I don't care.
1: But what you do care about is this business and chimneys as a vehicle to get you to your goals. And so if you can prove that to the people that are working for you that working at this business can also be a vehicle for their goals. they can be just as aligned as you and of course maybe they you know it's it's highly doubtful you'll find someone who's going to take that much ownership unless you give them ownership and equity at some point um but yeah it's 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 not again i i think the strongest principle here is they have to be the right people because you can make little adjustments but not fundamental changes in people yeah um but yeah in the same way that you're able to accomplish your life goals as a as a, using this business as a means as a vehicle, you know we can
0: prove that to them as well. So I like that. I think that's that um, is a nugget. The guru has just given us a nugget. Think about that. So the you might not be able to get anyone to care about a chimney because let's face it, they're boring. We're not we're not uh, building a rocket ship here. We're not we're not going to the moon and or or to Mars. We're not building an electric car that's going to uh, change the world. But everyone's got a goal of some kind, and if this is the vehicle to get them to that goal, great. And it and it could be they don't work here f- with you forever. So all right, th- their goal is they want to move to Fiji. Does this help them get there? And are you willing to help them achieve that goal and reap the benefits of their of their um, contributing to the company? Meanwhile, you can't hold on to everyone forever. They're, but help them to grow as individuals and help them to become leaders and then move on. Big deal. They left. That's good. You should be happy, I think, if someone wants to do that.
1: Yeah. Let's face it. Nobody really cares about chimneys. Let's say it again. I think... I think Mike Sagerstrom is the only person on earth who <laughs> truly cares about chimneys, but even customers don't want their chimney fixed. They want a safe home. They want a warm fireplace on a holiday. You know, they, yep. it's, they don't care about the chimney. And so if you're trying to sell the chimney, whether it's to a customer or to an employee, you're going to fail miserably. But there you, you go. Sell, That's
0: beautiful. <laughs> That and that's a segue. First of all, how long have we been doing this? I, I didn't see when we started I'm really not sure.
1: We're, we're going very low tech today. But it's 935. So assuming it took us 20 minutes to get started or so probably coming up on an hour.
0: Ooh, Okay, so we're, we're gonna wrap up in just a second here. What I'd like to do then is close on this thought for just a moment. Sales Sales. It's all about sales. So I need, I need to focus on that in my business. I, 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 I'll be 100% transparent. You can see right through me on this. I'm like a a piece of saran wrap. I was so against the whole mentality of let's get out there and sell. It's events in life from where I was before caused me to feel that way. I revolted. I'm going to do this and not Sell like that doesn't even make any sense. But like, I'm just gonna go provide a service, and people are gonna ask me to fix their chimney and just beg me to do it. They don't know again, they don't care about their chimney, they care about safety, and it and the majority of the work we've been doing is like is fireplaces and stuff. And um most of those people we get there and they you say, you know, how much do you use this? Oh, we don't use it much, we only use it like once or twice a year. Well, did you know? Um, it's totally destroyed inside and we need to (laughs) we need to fix it it's like nine grand are you insane i don't ever use it that's a good that's an impression of all customers what are you crazy (laughs) so that's the the mentality a lot of them don't use it and so when we get there i what we were doing um i don't know if we still do it because i haven't been out there much um we would first find that out like that's the first thing that we go over when we get there how much do you use it do you like it even Um, Does it work well was like the third question. Find out how they feel about it. Is there an emotional attachment to this thing? The people who have an emotional attachment to it want it fixed, even if they use it twice a year. Why? Because their family comes in for the holidays and all the kids are there and they're, it's part of, it's part of their family life. It makes them feel good. It has good memories attached. So they want it working. Other people, they throw candles in it and don't ever use it. So, You know that that could be tricky. So you have to first establish that. So why try to sell the big bad word "sell"? Why try to sell people something they don't use? Maybe they maybe they'll use an electric fireplace. I hate on electric fireplaces with with uh, James and Terry all the time because they're they're big into it. Terry loves them and he installs tons of them, and I'm always making fun of them because they it's an electric fireplace. It doesn't look real to me, but apparently. They do. Some of them look pretty good and and the customers love it. And that's what they tell me. They say, who cares if you don't like it? The customers love it and they're paying for it. And then they're thrilled when it's done. So sales. You got to sell in this business. We're not car salesmen, but we have to sell something. We're selling people, peace of mind. We're selling them solutions. We're selling ourselves, whatever you want to say we're selling. We're selling the sizzle, not the steak. Mm. I didn't make that up. James James tells me that one, but he didn't make it up either. Someone, I think Michael he Sager They did not. That. I don't I think didn't. Mike did either. That's
1: a, that's a very old sales maxim.
0: Yeah. So that's what we're trying to do. So what do you have to say about sales and any of the things I just said, or none, you can comment on something completely different.
1: Yeah. I mean, you said in this business, but it, it really is any business. Sales is the lifeblood. And so often we you know the things there are people that are are very passionate about sales but it's difficult right it requires rejection it requires a lot of face-to-face human interaction and that's not everybody's cup of tea they'd rather figure out the newest software or product or you know buy some cool tools you know all the fun stuff mm-hmm. um, but if you don't have that none of those other things
0: matter yeah. A wise man used to say, I'll give it to him. Without sales, we don't have anything. So you yep. can forget about it. <laughs> and it's yep. true. It's completely true. And he, the man who said that is, is smart with that stuff. I'll give him that for sure. And you'll find that when,
1: it, I mean, if you can affect, if you can drastically affect your top line revenues with, with sales, these other problems solve themselves. When you have money to throw at problems and you can now delegate to people and hire people and hire coaches and training, all those other problems solve themselves. You know, they are there. The operational problems are still there. The The hiring problems are still there. Whatever other things, they still exist, but they're not even, it's not even worth trying to solve them unless you solve that that core problem, mm-hmm. um, which is sales. If, and um, they're a lot more fun to, they're a lot more fun to solve when you've got a full belly and a full bank account yeah. and you can do it the right way instead of trying to wear every hat yourself and do it yourself.
0: Yeah. If money can solve it, it's not a problem. That's right. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> That's right. I, I i I say that all the time. It's funny. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah, without, exactly. You can try to fix all these other problems, but if you're not, the phone's not ringing and you're not converting, then there's no point to any of it. Your, uh, your faith is useless. Hmm. Indeed. <laughs> so, well, we'll, we'll talk about sales and sales and stuff. Um, another time. I think we, we, we got some good topics, uh, discussed and, um, I think, I think that's all I have to say. I'm I'm going to go and watch now. That's a. <laughs> that's, if you haven't seen that show, it's pretty funny. I highly recommend it. What show um, is that? It's got uh, a Brooklyn Nine Nine. It has what's his face oh, okay. it's from Hot Hot Rod in it. Yep. Um, Andy, Sandberg. Sandy Amberg, Amberg <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sandler. And I, and uh, I think, you know, it's as if you're running a business or starting a business and you're stressed out, you have to take time and just don't do business things. And that's something that I'm not paying attention to. And I don't learn. I sit here and I'll just stare at things on my computer trying to solve problems. And if you're just sitting there staring at your computer, you're wasting time. You're not doing anything. Go do something else and recharge. I, I try to solve these problems. And I waste hours and I've gotten, and and this is this programming. I'll I'll get stuck on a problem and it's, you know, 12 o'clock at night, one o'clock, two o'clock, and I'm still trying to figure it out. I can't get it. I go to sleep, come back to the computer in the morning, and in five minutes or less, I solve the problem. So what does that tell you? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but anyway well thanks kyle for coming on appreciate it um and we'll uh we appreciate you listening if you are a listener this is your first time go back to the beginning and listen to all the episodes and you'll have more of an understanding of of where we come from why this business got started and a little there's there, you'll see some progression you'll see some things happening. Uh, along the way, just a couple episodes. There, there was some progress made and I talk about how we, how we did that until next time, be safe, be smart and use a harness.